Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Yes, it's Saturday Night Fever to get you going. Thank you for being so patient as the Fighting Irish basketball team won the previous game that you just heard. Now it's time for Fighting Irish football. And of course, it is another Saturday night game, the fourth this season. After coming off an impressive defense performance against Navy, can the Irish quickly change gears to take on one of the most prolific offenses in 2021 with today's opponent, the Virginia Cavaliers? We'll all see that together with an approximate kickoff time at 7.35 p.m. in Charlottesville. The Irish basketball got the win. Now it's time for your Irish team to win. Notre Dame's coverage will continue all day long and you'll be about 11 to 12 hours worth of coverage by the time it's all over. To talk about today's game, the team, and some stories from the past, we'll be joined by former Notre Dame players Steve Berline, Robbie Toma, Trevor Robinson, John Autry, and Joe D- Johnson. We'll check in with the head of orthopedic physician services for the Fighting Irish, Dr. Brian Radigan. And we'll have our additional segments, Put Me In Coach, and the Key Bank Keys to the Game. Let's get started by bringing in the hardest working guy I know, and I'm not just lying. He's he's here, there, everywhere, and we're lucky to have him here with us. Vince, good morning. Vince D'Addario. Good morning, Tim. Yeah, well, it's good afternoon. Morning. Yeah, you see, you got me all excited about it being in the morning. Unfortunately, we get a late start here because we got a late game, which yeah. means, you know, we'll be going to bed until tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's okay because it's we have a great job, and it's, it's a blast to do, and, uh, you know, there's a lot worse things I could be. I could be out digging ditches right now. So right. I, I'm a happy man. We get to watch a little bit more Notre Dame football, which makes me even happier. And if you like points, then you're really going to enjoy this game, I think. It is going to be. We're going to have to score a lot because they're going to have to score a lot. But walk us through. I was asking just before we went on uh, about our defense performances. And you don't think it's going to be needed as much because of – well, the, the defense needs to show up. I mean, sure. this is a this is still a very good Virginia offense, okay? But the the quarterback, you know, right. there's there's you know, there's questions about the quarterback, right? I mean, he hurt his ribs 2 weeks ago. I you don't know if they were broken or bruised or whatever the case may be. Either way, I expect him to play, but I don't expect him to be 100%. And when you are basically a one-man show on this offense, I mean, he accounts for a little under 425 yards of offense by himself. Wow. Right? 395 through the air and about 30 on the ground. When that's you and you're not 100%, then obviously the offense isn't going to be 100%. So, but this is still a very good offense. They're like, they're number one or number two in the country in total offense. So, this is still a very good offense, even if he's not 100%. So, the defense is still going to have to bring it, but they're going to have to take some chances and then they're going to have to be multiple and they're going to have to rely on their offense to score some points in this game. And what do you think? Do you think from the last few weeks, are we seeing that 
offensive line, just to at least play average, like you've said the whole season. That's all we need to do to make this team successful. So are you seeing that kind of coagulate together? Yeah, I mean, they're knocking on the door of average. Um, I, I think they took a step back last week against an undersized Navy team. Um, but again, if they can just stalemate at the line of scrimmage, they don't even need to get a push as much as they should be because of who they are and where they go to school. They should be getting a push against all these teams. And and they're not, but they're they're at least getting a stalemate. And, you know, Notre Dame has shown that if they at least get a stalemate, then guys like Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, they could still make something happen uh, with a stalemate. So get a stalemate, open up a couple holes, and these backs, which you know I still argue is the deepest running back room in the country, can still make some things happen. All right. Well, there's a lot of things going on. We're uh, ninth ranked in the uh, college football playoffs and seventh in the AP. So I'm going to throw you something at you real quick here. Hey, Uh-oh. Matt, go ahead and hit it. All right, playoffs. The Fighting Irish move from number 10 to number 9. How about, let's talk about playoffs a little bit. We're all, all right. looking for continued chaos, correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's Look, if you've got aspirations of being a college football playoff team, then yes, you're, you're still going to need more chaos, right? You, you're going to need Ohio State to lose at some point, most likely. You're going to need Michigan, Michigan State to lose. I mean, there's Oklahoma. They're losing right now uh, against Baylor, 10-7. Mm-hmm. to 7. Um, Michigan isn't looking great against uh, Penn State. So you you are going to need some chaos in front of you. But, you know, if you're in the top 10, it's still possible, right? If you just want a New Year's Six Bowl, then Notre Dame is perfectly positioned right now. All they have to do is take care of business. And today is the final real hurdle to getting to 11-1. and one. And since, you know, uh, Notre Dame was predicted this season to go, you know, the over-under on total wins was eight and a half. Right. And uh, people should be cashing in by the end of tonight on that bet if they took that preseason. So if you go 11 and one, you've already outdone most of the prognosticators out there and you'll be headed to most likely the Peach Bowl. So um, they'll keep moving up because I think teams ahead of them are going to keep losing. So it'll be it'll be interesting next couple of weeks for sure. So we're going to save that theme. And for the next few weeks. We'll take a little bit of time and we'll see how we're moving up. Just keep inching our way up the charts. Um, how about a a little s- summary of how the freshmen are all contributing, especially on offense? Well, it's really only on offense. The freshmen aren't really contributing on defense just yet. They are. They are defensively. They're they're contributing on special teams, but not defensively uh, as far as you know when the defense is out there. So, uh, but offensively, I mean, look, they started a, a, a true freshman at left tackle, Blake Fisher. He got hurt. Now they're at another true freshman in Joe Alt. Now it took two other guys to get to him. So they're on their fourth left tackle. But Joe Alt seems to have cemented his spot, his spot excuse me, at left tackle. Uh, then, of course, you've got Deion Colsey and you've got Lorenzo Styles at wide receiver. And the, and the wide receiver room just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so those guys were counted on previously because of all the injuries. And then Avery Davis goes down. And now Lorenzo Styles is is your de facto starter in the slot. So he goes from 14 plays to probably 40 plus uh, in this game. So that's going to be interesting to how Notre Dame handles that. But those guys have been, have been ascending. They've been doing a they've been doing a great job. And then when Chris Tyree went down with the turf toe, Logan Dings Logan Diggs was able to get his opportunity in the in the offensive backfield. And I think he's taken every advantage of that. And he's 
past Sebo Flemister on the depth chart. So he's going to get uh, a lot of playing time as well. So the true freshman, uh, and then of course, Tyler Buckner, the quarterback, right? He's the one I just forgot. Right. Uh, but he's been doing a great job in the packages that they've uh, you know, allowed or asked him to be a part of. He's not the starter yet, as much as there's Notre Dame fans out there that think he should be. He can't run this offense yet, but he right. can still do the packages that they're asking him to do. And he's done it at a high level. Um, and so I, I hesitate to wonder where Notre Dame would be if the true freshman didn't step up and didn't do what they were supposed to do. But they're highly recruited kids. This is what they're supposed to do. Um, and I'm glad that because of the circumstances, the offensive staff has had to go with some of these freshmen uh, because I don't think that they would have if circumstances would have dictated otherwise. Oh, I know there's have been seeing also things on the charts about, oh, this might be Brian Kelly's uh, best coaching job. Maybe he should get coach of the year, you know, toss salad to me. I mean, geez, there's so many teams you probably could say that. You got any feelings or comment on that? I mean, I can't really put him up for coach of the year because his team wasn't at all prepared for the Cincinnati game. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. I mean, you know, the next man up mentality is great. And, and you, you coach your guys up to, to be that way. And, um, somebody said this has been, you know, a Swiss army knife of, uh, of a job. You know, you're, you just kind of filling holes and you're doing what you need to do. But again, these guys are all highly recruited kids. It's not like he's plugging it in with walk-ons. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it, it, to me, if he's coach of the year, he's got his team ready to go against a top 10 team like Cincinnati. And they weren't, they, they played their worst game of the season at home. They were flat. It's terrible. That's not coach of the year to me. Right. The other and the other games, he shouldn't have to be a lot final drive against Toledo. Right. You shouldn't have uh, you shouldn't be going down to the wire against Virginia Tech. There's just I can't give him coach of the year. I think there's guys out there. Luke Fickle, for example, head coach of Cincinnati. There's a coach of the year candidate for you. he's undefeated. He's beat two power five teams. Um, you know, he's doing everything that he can do. Right. I mean, there, there's plenty of other coaches that I would give it to before Brian Kelly. You know, you put them in the top 10, that's fine. Uh, but I put a lot of what happened against Cincinnati on the coaching staff. Well, and that's fair. That, you know, that's uh, fair enough to do. Um, you're right. I mean, they weren't prepared. To yeah. Come, you know, um, injuries or no injuries. Everybody, right. that's a part of the game, you know. Well, and there was, there was, to my recollection, and my memory is pretty much Swiss cheese, but to my recollection, there was no injury in that game that, you know, happened in the middle of it or, you know, things of that nature, right? I mean, there was no devastating injury that occurred during that game that turned the tide. It was two intercept. They, they gave Cincinnati 10 points, right? And then they lost by 11. So, um, yeah, just not a great job. You got it. Well, I appreciate all your insight. I know you're working really like 24 hours a day. but That's yeah, all good. It's what happens when you have too many kids, Tim. Yeah. All right, you got to – they I, keep wanting to be fed and they keep wanting to wear clothes and, you know, <laughs> things like that. So you got to work. And you're down in the pecking order. So <laughs> you go, oh, man, there's seven right. in our family and I'm probably eight. So there you go. Now, the miracle of technology. What did I see? I looked it up today. Four thousand two hundred and approximately 60 miles away <laughs> is our connection right now. And that would be former wide receiver, a fan favorite, if I might say. Robbie Toma. Robbie, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Hey, what time is it out there anyway? It's 9.30 in the morning. Oh, geez. I wish you were going to be on later so. on. Steve Berline was, <laughs> was rapping at me about, why are you guys on so early? And I told him, I said, what do you complain about? There That's is a good a point. Lot of
That is yeah. a good point. Hey, hey Ryan, first of all, let's catch up. What What's going on with your life these days? Uh, well, I mean, the biggest news is, you know, I have two kids. I have a two and a half year old and a, and a five month old. So Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you so much. So my daughter's the older one and I got a son named Jet. So there hoping he has a little bit of, a little bit more speed than, than I had. So that'd be nice. <laughs> so and the other one's name is Sweet. Uh, the, uh, my da- right, my daughter's sweet. name is Lila. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was my poor uh, try at comedy. It didn't work out too well. No, no, it was, it was solid. <laughs> hey, Robbie, what makes um, the Hawaiian market so big for Notre Dame? Um, I'm not going to pronounce it. about names. I don't know. I think um, I, I had an opportunity to kind of chat with Myron after the last uh, I was at the North Carolina game and. We kind of touched on it, you know. It's like, obviously, football is a huge passion, but I think beyond um, beyond playing football, I think a lot of it too is you know off the field and how um, it just seems that everybody from Hawaii kind of has a special connection and uh, you know with other with other teammates and whatnot. And kind of um, not that everybody loves people from Hawaii, but it's you know I think that kind of holds true. You know, there's that aloha spirit that's kind of sounds corny, but it's kind of true. Do they, does Notre Dame or anybody, they ask you for uh, tips on somebody you've seen or heard about in Hawaii? Yeah, I think, I think that's um, something pretty cool, at least for me is, you know, I get to hear from some of the coaches and, uh, you know, they kind of ask me, Hey, what do you think of this kid? And I give them my honest opinion. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's kind of, I'm like a unofficial, you know, kind of helper. Do you, do you get not, Rob? Do you get a chance to get out and and watch a decent amount of high school football? Well, we do. We do have um, uh, OC sixteen out here. It's a kind of the local sports network that plays a lot of the high school games. So I do. I do get to watch quite a bit. And nice. um, you know, I, I stopped coaching because uh, you know I just had two kids. So um, I, I you know I've watched my fair share of film over the last couple of years. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on 960 AM WSBT. We're talking with former Irish receiver Robbie Toma from his home in Hawaii. So speaking of one of those, uh, if I got, and I'm terrible, Vince knows about pronouncing names. <laughs> Kanua Kai, linebacker, is in the current class. Would I have that right? Vince and Robbie, anybody know about? Or oh, you? I, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing. I'm sorry? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his, lame, his name right. K-A-H-A-N-U-K-I-A. A linebacker. Are you uh, talking about Kahanu? Yes. There you go. Yes. Thank you for helping. Oh, me okay. Out. Yeah, Kahanu Kia. Yes. Okay. What do you What do you see in him, or what do you know about him? Well, I so I um, uh, know the dad. I actually coached on the same team. Well, I wasn't a defensive coach, but I was coaching offense. Uh, I think Kahanu might have been a sophomore, and um, that that kid. He kind of reminds me of Jordan as well, Botello. Just in the like the way that they they play the game, there's no fear. Um, they play with speed and aggression that um, you don't really see. You know, with Kahanu off the field, he's such a nice you know nice kid. And but when you put that helmet on, you know he goes. He just takes charge of whatever. Well, kind of like you. Hey, I, I saw somewhere in my preparation that as a youngster, you prepared for football by running up this hill that your dad called Walter Payton's Hill. Yes, um, that brings back bad memories of you bringing that up. No, I'm kidding. 
All right. Well, first of all, I mispronounced names. Now I give you a bad memory, man. I'm, I'm not striking. Too no, bad. no, no. It's, it's all good. No, that um, we, we used to go hiking up to a place called La Ie Falls, um, which is kind of in our, in our backyard of our hometown. And uh, my dad found this hill, unfortunately for me. And uh, he used to, you know, on our way hiking, he'd make me do, you know, between five to, to ten sprints. And um, one of the one of the times I got heat exhaustion up in the mountains and uh, on our way down, he goes, please don't tell your mom. <laughs> so so I, I, I definitely blackmailed him for a few months after that. <laughs> we all know who the bosses are at home anyway, too. A little side <laughs> hey, so is, yeah, is anybody else a football player in your family? My, my dad, my dad actually wasn't a, a, a too bad of an athlete. Um, you know, he's still from time to time can, can shoot the basketball, but, um, as far as collegiate, um, you know, I think I was, um, the first one in my entire family to play, uh, you know, division one college sports. First one in the family. Yeah. And my brother, my brother played, uh, at a water polo actually, um, oh. at, at Grossmont. And then he's a, he's a swim coach. So. My my brother's six two and he's a swimmer and I'm five nine and I'm on the land guy which is a little mixed up. But. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, let's go back in uh, a little bit to uh, your playing days at Notre Dame in 2010. You had 14 receptions, 19 receptions in 2011, and then culminated it on 2012 with 24 receptions. Vince, who do who do we got that's up in our charts uh, with catches this year? Oh, uh-huh. Kevin Austin is up there. Obviously, he's he's the the number one guy. And then you know, it, Avery Davis was actually the, you know, he was the Robbie Toma of this team, right? He was the security right. blanket, the guy that you knew you could go to and get that big catch. But obviously, now he's out, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of injuries. Back to that 2012 team. Refresh us. That were there a lot of injuries on that team, or or not? And that's that helped perpetuate you know the great season you guys had. Well, I, I know defensively, you know, we lost Mo Wood and, and even Jamora Slaughter to uh, Achilles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, it's kind of one of those situations, I think, where we all embraced it, where there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Um, and I think our team that year, um, you know, I think we all just kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, sacked up and, you know, made sure we all held each other accountable and, you know, even when you're sore and tired, nobody was missing practice that year. It's something that I kind of remember, you know. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we had some season-ending injuries to some of the key players for us. But, you know, we were able to just keep on going and, and keep winning, which was pretty cool. And it's awesome to remember. That was a special, special team. We're here on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. Vince and Tim, you're talking, we're talking with Robbie Toma. Is there a particular game in that season – that was you thought it was your best game, but you, maybe you didn't catch all the passes like a high catch. Maybe it was due to blocking or whatever you were doing. Is there any particular game that really stands out for you in that 2012 year? Yeah, um, actually, it was the Michigan State game. I think I led the team in receiving that game. If I'm, it was either me or Eifert, if I don't, if I'm remembering correctly. But there was a we just opened the game, and we practiced all week with a formation opposite of I guess what was called and I, I guess I wasn't even listening to the call because I was I knew I was gonna get the ball. 
And I don't know if you guys remember, but we had to call a timeout. And, uh, you know, I got an earful from, from uh, Coach Alford. But, I was able, you know, we were able to kind of shake. It wasn't even nerves. It was just, you know, maybe a little bit too focused. I needed to loosen up. Um, but I ended up having a pretty good game. And, uh, you know, we were on the road. Favorite environments to play in was at Michigan State, so that was definitely one of my favorite games that year. So, if I say USC, what comes to your mind? Oh. Theo Riddick. Ah, and why that? Uh, Theo was playing like a, a lunatic that game. I don't know if you guys remember, but oh, yeah, I think I think Theo actually the defensive coach gave Theo the defensive game ball. Um, <laughs> Just because of you know he he really did embrace that saying where you put the team on your back and um, it was awesome. I got to see Theo two weeks ago at the game um, and we also went to the Colts game down in Indianapolis the next day. So we talked a lot about that game and, and just how um, cool it was to see how how dominant Theo was. Robbie, I got, I got to ask. I've always been curious to get uh, guys' views on this. Are you? more comfortable going on the road or home games when you were at Notre Dame? Because obviously there's a, a lot of pressure being at home, you know, going off campus, staying overnight at a hotel, coming back, you got your friends and you know, in the stands. And then when you go on the road, sometimes it's just, Hey, it's us. It's the team versus everybody. And some guys are more calm that way. And they like that better. What, how was it for you? Yeah, it's exactly how you just described it. I, I remember, as exciting as it is to have friends and family come into town and, you know, watch your games, but that's just another added, I wouldn't call it stress, but, you know, it's just taking a little bit of focus off of the actual game. Uh, but when you go on the road, everything's already taken care of for you. You know, you're, you're, you just walk through the hotel, you got the schedule on your, um, you know, little pamphlet they give you and you get your room key and you know exactly what you got to do. You know, you get in, get out. So, it like, I loved playing on the road. But, you know, now that the stadium is what it is, I mean, mm. I hate to sound um, ungrateful, but our stadium was pretty boring when we were playing because there was no <laughs> Jumbotron. Right. Um, you know, it was like there was a lot of dead time because of all those dang right. uh, commercials. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, the atmosphere now, I, I think it might be a little bit different. Um, you know, had that, you know, been in uh, 2012, I, I might have appreciated it a little bit more. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Robbie, what's your feeling and in, in, in talking to former teammates like Theo and everything about the NIL? Uh, we're, I mean, we're, I'm all, we're, you know, we're all in favor for, um, you know, guys getting, getting paid, you know, they, 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 uh, they deserve it, but, I, my thing with it is, and, I, and uh, I think a lot of other guys feel the same way, is, you know, professionals are professionals for a reason. And I think college is very special and, like, the, you know, how proud you are of the university and whatnot. So I think it's important to make sure that everybody's included, you know, including the walk-on. So uh, Wapu Nation is something that, you know, although I wasn't a walk-on, I was close to a lot of the walk-ons. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just want to make sure that those guys are also taken care of because some of those guys are, are sacrificing, you know, not only their, their money, but their bodies 
um, and, and don't get a lot of credit from, you know, uh, a media standpoint, but it would be nice for them to get compensated and taken care of too. So uh, if NIL was available when you were playing, what out there in Hawaii would you like to have been your sponsor or what product or service? <laughs> I probably would have wanted Hukilau Cafe. I just I love the I love the breakfast over there. That's that's my thing, and uh, it's it's a it's a restaurant out in Laie. So a couple free meals would have been good. You know that's a very common response for a lot of college kids. I, I would have felt the exact same way. Hey, who who wants to sponsor me so I can get all the free food I can get? Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty I'm pretty damn jealous that these kids can do that right now but yeah no kidding yeah, the offensive line has it they have it on lockdown man because yeah, i was they, gonna say the offensive line has got some big food deals don't yeah they? they've got a couple different food deals where they I, I don't think that they are gonna have to pay for a meal the rest of their college career <laughs> see i i was friends with a lot of the old line so i, I would have been right with them <laughs> that's awesome Robbie Tomo from Hawaii is speaking with vince and i right now on the legacy eating her game day show before we let you go Give us your uh, uh, sense on the wide receiving core at Notre Dame this this season. Oh man, I I, I love them, I, and you know I, they're a little bit younger, right? If if I'm not mistaken, but they are now. Yeah, and I'm I, I feel terrible for for Avery. Um, you know, definitely in my thoughts, and and uh, you know I know he's got a good av- attitude, but I th- I love the speed that they have and. Um, you know, I think Tommy's doing a great job of putting all these guys in, in, in positions to make plays, which is, uh, they're exciting to watch. I mean, I, I was telling somebody the other day, I go, man, if I was playing on this team, I don't know if I'd be getting on the field. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it's good. It's good to see the, you know, these, um, you know, I'm just so proud of the university and coaching staff and all the, the you know, the current players that are, that are doing well. And it's fun to watch those kids. Hey, well, we thank you for spending some time with us and getting up uh, early out there. And we're going to let you go back and start watching some football. Congratulations on your new baby and your two kids uh, overall. Sounds like Thank life. you guys so much. Uh, definitely, I've always appreciated you guys and uh, uh, allowing me to, to share some of the, the good memories that I had. And you guys take care. Aloha. Go Irish. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was great. So that's technology all the way from Hawaii. Now awesome. we're going to, when we come back, go all the way out to the East Coast to uh, Charlottesville with uh, head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish, Dr. Brian Radigan, right after. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And your Legacy Heating and Air game day show is brought to you by, of course, Legacy Heating and Air, your heating and clean air specialist. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. By Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Merritt Begg in South Bend. Kimberly Timbado in South Bend. Jerry Madsen in Osceola. Or Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive-through, carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. By Key Bank, open a Key Smart checking account today. Key Bank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com. Key Bank is member FDIC. By Mimos Pizza on Edison and Mishawaka. If you like pizza, you'll love Mimos. Manja, manja. 
by Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill. Authentic Mexican served fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com. And by South Bend Orthopedics Team Physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim? And that signals one of our favorite guests, and that's why we have him on so often. It's more about him putting up with us, Vince, maybe than us dealing with him. So. Anyway, Dr. Brian Radigan with the team out in Charlottesville, I'm assuming? Yep. Oh, yeah, we're here. All right. I wasn't sure. I should have checked with you. So occasionally, you don't you don't go out there. Not very often and stuff. So Vince and I, uh, Brian, we're talking uh, before the show started about um, we think we see you too much going in the, in the scenes into the, uh, the tent on game day. Yeah, Which we've is- had a little bit of a run this year. We, we actually went back and tried to look and see – how are we this year compared to years past? And we're, it's about what we've had number of injuries. Yeah. It seems like a lot at times, but I think we started off the year with such a flurry on the O line. And obviously that was a spot where we're looking for a lot of growth on the team, but seeing all those injuries kind of just got everybody's hair on edge a little bit quicker than it should have been. I know. Yeah. Go ahead, Vince. No, I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, you know, the most recent injury with Avery Davis and, and you know, the high profile, you know, status of that. But, you know, being in the tent with with a guy, not necessarily him specifically, but as a doctor having to break news, you know, devastating news, frankly, to kids, you know, that your season's over. And, you know, all, how do you get used to that? You don't. You hate it every time. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. in the tent there with Avery and, and they're all great great guys Avery is you know if you can grade these guys zero to 100 he's 100 yeah yeah he is he's as good a guy as you're going to find bright guy and so you're not going to pull the wool over right he knew something was up right and just he's never really been hurt I mean he's been pretty healthy the whole time high school college so Avery's not a guy I personally know well from injuries at all just from him being around and having you know Connor my son in the wide receiver room with those guys he, he can't speak more highly about anybody. So I've just heard from coaches and players and, you know, my own son, how great of a guy he is. And personally, you see the guy, he's always making time to say hi. Right. So it's never easy, never easy, but super difficult with Avery because you could feel the ACLs loose. And I usually try to, you know, soften the blow a little bit and say something like, Hey, well, you know, we got the MRI coming. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And right. usually the players, They've already stopped listening at that point. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they're upset. You know, they want to play the game. No one wants to be hurt, and they all know what that means when you tell them you're worried about their ACL. And you've had to deal with some really severe injuries over the years. Um, Jalen Smith, um, linebacker, I can't think of his name, a few years ago. This was on the show this year, earlier. I mean, uh, Jared Grace. When he Jared Grace. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, those yeah, – Turned into being, I mean, you're, you're their longtime friend. I mean, after the surgery and stuff, this, I mean, goes on, you know, with, with staying in contact, follow-ups and everything. I mean, you're, you're part of their life for an extended period of time. Honestly, that's part, one of the best parts of the job is when they come back later and they just, if they just are happy about their care or they learn something or they just appreciate it. You know, I, I appreciate, you know, docs I've had in the past. I appreciate great coaches and leaders 
anybody I've been associated with. I just hope to be a small part of something they might appreciate later. Jared Grace is going to be, he's going to take my job someday. Mm-hmm. He's off yeah. in med school now. Right. He, he, uh, I remember when he was doing some other stuff and I really thought he'd be a great doc and uh, really glad he decided to go that path because he's, he's going to be a good one. He just gets it now that he's had his own injuries and he has, I mean, they don't get any worse than that. No, I think uh, the whole empathy rather than sympathy, he's got it. We're talking with uh, Dr. Brian Radigan with the fighting Irish uh, in Charlottesville. Um, what? Uh, sorry, my COVID brain just hit me or whatever. I lost my train of thought there. What's the weather like going to be there today? I, I can remember a couple of years ago or four years ago when you and I were talking and you were out in that downpouring <laughs> Carolina State or something, right? So yeah, oh yeah, North Carolina State was crazy. Weather. Yeah, that's great. Cold, right? Today's perfect. It's perfect. A little chilly. Uh, I think the guys will like it. Perfect for all the old linemen. They can breathe. They won't be too hot. That's all we want. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great day. Yeah, great day out here. So you're not getting the uh, the flurries that uh, that we're getting over here in northern Indiana <laughs> because high school football last night was brutal. And uh, <laughs> I think you guys are going to escape that mess, right? We are. And actually, we were getting ready to leave throughout the afternoon. And I was noticing some of that going on, hitting your car on the way to the airport. And then we... <laughs> walked out to go onto the plane and we take the, the charter with the team and everybody. So you, you just walk out to the plane. There's no terminal, right? So as we park in that little mm-hmm. airplane, we're, we're spoiled. I won't lie. And we walk out there like, Ooh, okay. We're getting <laughs> smacked across the face with those pellets. I, I was like, glad we're not staying in town. So I don't, I don't, I didn't miss that one bit. I don't blame you. I do not blame you, sir. How do things change for you at an away game versus a home game? I get caught up in my dictations for work. <laughs> that's what I do. So, uh, that's the biggest difference. I, uh, I'm like necessarily stuck in a hotel for a while. So I'm not a fan of night games on the road because we get home at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. But it is a chance. Maybe it's God telling me, all right, get your stuff done. So I've been blowing off my dictations for a couple of weeks. And now I'm kind of, anybody at work understands, they know I'm getting them caught up today. That's right. Let's, otherwise, let's... otherwise it's great. I do miss some of the events. Like my daughter had a volleyball game, so I missed that. So things like that. And my other daughter, a senior in high school, she had a basketball game last night. So I missed some of those things, which that's the downside of not being yeah. around. But um, the beauty is now you can stream almost everything or they put it on huddle. So good point. I, uh, I, uh, I think maybe my daughter's happy. I couldn't, couldn't watch it last night. So I'm not already talking to her about what she did wrong. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty good. She's a good player. A lot of fun for us this year. You got a good athletic uh, family. So how's Connor's podcast doing with the guys? Yeah, they're doing well. They're doing well. I think uh, a few of the guys are a little under the weather uh, last week. So they're, they're coming along. I think he's enjoying it. They Now they're trying to figure out learning about taxes. Right, That's the next step. Like, <laughs> what's that? You actually get paid for something. You have to learn how to <laughs> tell the government about it. This is <laughs> a new, new concept for him. Yeah, was that all of a sudden a whoops moment? Whoops! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's Indiana versus it's interesting. They're learning. I mean, heck, I'm learning what they're doing too. So, you got to find an accountant in, in Indiana. So they're they're it's, uh, they're learning and growing up real fast. All right, as a linebacker for tonight's game, what do you think is going to happen with the Irish defense against that potent Virginia offense? I guess it depends on that quarterback, right? I yeah. mean, it's, I don't know what's going on with that guy. If he's going to show up or not, he's He's amazing. 
he's fun to watch. I hope he plays. Just personally, as a as a football fan, I hope he's playing. I don't know if they've made a final announcement or not. Have they? They have. They have not. Yeah, he's quote unquote a game time decision. Okay. Well, I, I you know, as a fan, if I was Notre Dame playing, I'd want him to play because you want to beat him with their best. Right. And you don't want you don't want any excuses afterward if you do beat him without him. But I'm anxious to see him play. If he's playing, then it'll be great just to watch our guys uh, run around and, and go against him. 400 yards passing a game is a lot of yards. Oh, yeah. That's a ridiculous amount of yards that this guy's putting up. So just to, you know, I'm looking to see him play as a, as a fan and hopefully we can get to him. If he's out there, then it'll be a high-scoring game. I don't think you shut a guy like that down all the way. And then our offense needs to play well. So we're going to win. I, I'm confident we're going to win. I say that every week, but I mean it. And then if he doesn't play, uh, yeah, as a defensive guy, I'm always anxious to see what this other guy is going to do without any experience. Sometimes they go off, right? We see these guys, you just found something you weren't expecting to see, but he's a freshman. So the other flip side is, can you just smack him around a little bit? Right? You kind of hope to see that, like, hey, welcome. This is you know, Notre Dame football. Doc, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, I, and, and this is speculation on my part, but he, he's got, you know, Armstrong has some sort of a rib injury, right? I don't know if he broke him specifically or whatever, but he, he it, it's, it's, a, it's a rib area, right? So if he's playing, I've got to imagine, I, I want your opinion on this, you know, since you know way more about these kinds of things than I do, um, you know, just the, the way your motion of throwing and twisting and things like that, I can't imagine he's not going to be feeling it regardless of the fact of, you know, that it's been two weeks and, you know, uh, and I'm sure that he'll have some medicine and all that fun stuff, but you've got to be able to feel those ribs, right? Oh yeah, no doubt. And it's, and it doesn't matter. People are like, well, left side, left throw, right side, left throw. It doesn't matter. Your ribs are your ribs. They hurt right. everything you do. Both sides are going to hurt deep breath, throwing, pivoting. You can't play the game without feeling your ribs, but you know, are, are the guys thinking a little bit more when you, when you do get to them, you know, are you going to give them a little bit extra squeeze? <laughs> to right. something? I mean, your head when you're 18 to 22, you got that on your mind, but yeah, it's going to be tough. I don't know how he's going to do it depending on what it is. Cause the bones versus the cartilage around it, you know, there's a lot of connective tissue in there that you know, could be giving him trouble. And you're right. They can do some different injections, some anesthetic, uh, if it's in the right spot, but a lot of times you got to be careful. You've you've all heard those horror stories where someone tries to give an injection of the ribs and they drop a lung. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, hey, Brian, we're up against the hard, we're yeah. up against the hard break. I gotta we gotta yeah. uh, get to that. So thank you for taking the time today. Root the Irish from victory. This and I'll be watching, looking for you on the sidelines as we usually. Hopefully, you're not uh, too prominent. Don't see me. Yeah, exactly. yeah, not not today. Uh, th- Today's my th- day off. All right, see you guys. <laughs> thank see you. you. Bye bye. We'll be right back on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. We'll be right back after a short break for the second hour of the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. Joining us will be teammates Steve Berline, John Autry, and Joe Thomas. Plus, we'll catch up with Trevor Robinson, and we'll have our weekly feature, the Key Bank Keys to the Game. And we hope you all stay right there. Packed day of Irish sports here on your home for our Fighting Irish Football Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT or via the WSBT radio app or streamed at WSBTradio.com. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Got him on the spot. Welcome back. 
could have done that two years earlier, knowing what I know now, I would have been at Notre Dame right away. So uh, glad it worked out the way it did. But uh, yeah, it's not not very common for for guys to leave the state of Nebraska. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, Notre Dame's trying hard to get a couple guys, a couple offensive linemen out of there right now. And, uh, you know, it's touch and go. Let's just put it that way, you know, from a recruiting standpoint. But Trevor, like you said, you were an early enrollee. And that was kind of when you early enrolled, you were one of the first to really do that at Notre Dame. And I, was it super beneficial for you? And would you, if you were consulting with, uh, you know, a recruit, is that something that you would suggest if it was possible? Yeah, I, I think it's a case-by-case thing. Uh, I mean, you're right. Back, you know, what was that, 10, 12 years ago now, it was it was much more rare. Yeah. Uh, the class before me, I think you had Jimmy come in there and early, and uh, I think Gary Gray might have came in early. And there was a couple guys that were starting to do yeah. that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you might get one or two guys in a class. It wasn't, wasn't what it's become. Um, I think there's advantages and disadvantages. I think, you know, it's, it's probably – probably would have been optimistic to think I was going to be playing as a freshman, which I ended up able to do if I hadn't done that. Uh, You just get that extra semester and, and uh, a lot more one-on-one time in the weight room, a lot more one-on-one time getting the the playbook installed. You go through spring football one extra time. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt that it it prepares you quicker to be ready to play. Um, But then on the back end of that, there are some things that you give up. So, you know, that's your, that kind of, sunset semester at high school when you're with your boys right. and you Absolutely. know football's done and you're uh kind of going on your victory lap like that and so you do miss out on that and then uh you know I think one of the recruiting pitches and and when they're trying to get guys to do that is is the appeal of playing early and I think as a high school kid as you kind of project what college football is going to be like you want to go play and you want to go play as a freshman <laughs> uh and then in hindsight as you look back it's almost like well why was that so important you know what I mean if if you can get that fifth year on the back end or, uh, you know, and you have the time to develop and, and be even more ready. Um, I think it's a little bit short-sighted how much people put the weight on, Hey, am I going to play early? Um, whether that's factored into, you know, are they leaving early? What school are they going to? You're looking at the depth charts and trying to figure out, right. you know, is there a path for me here quickly? And, uh, you know, I, I think there's advantages and disadvantages. If I could go back and do it again, I probably would do it the same way. That's Trevor Robinson. We're speaking with him on the Legacy Heat and Air Game Day show. So let's continue uh, with that. What did you know about Notre Dame before um, you even came up here? Very little. So it was it was kind of by chance that I even uh, came into that football camp in the summer between what was my sophomore and junior years of high school. So we were driving from Iowa City. We, Me and my dad, we did camp at uh, Iowa and we were on our way out to Columbus to go to Ohio state. And it just so happened that we were driving by 80 uh, and the day in between was the day that Notre Dame was having their camp. So, uh, kind of popped in and, and my dad just said, Hey, you know, this wasn't on our schedule. We were kind of making this tour of, of these camps, trying to get out there and trying to, to be seen, you know, from a small school in Nebraska. And, uh, so we just kind of chanced into it and I didn't know anything about it. I'd never seen Rudy. I was actually just laughing. We, we went over to the, uh, the North Carolina game, and my wife and I are walking by uh, Touchdown Jesus, and I was laughing, thinking back to my freshman year. You know, I had a class in Hesburgh Library, and I had to ask somebody on campus for directions to Hesburgh Library. I knew there was a library. I knew, but it was Touchdown Jesus. I, had, I did not know what Hesburgh Library was. And so naturally, the person laughs in my face until they see my response and understand that I'm actually asking them where, where Hesburgh Library is. And so it was uh, – <laughs> 
you know, when you grow up in Nebraska, it's, it's Husker football, everything there's, you know, there's no pro sports franchises in any of the major sports. Uh, you know, Lincoln is not a traditionally a basketball school or a baseball school, or, uh, you know, they don't have division one hockey there outside of Nebraska, Omaha. So, um, it really is, it's just Husker football all the time. Um, and so you get so, you know, kind of ingrained in that tradition that there's really not a whole lot of space for other college football. I mean, uh, even more rare than guys leaving the state to go to a place like Notre Dame, you know, yeah. the other big 12, what, what at the time was the big 12 North, mm-hmm. uh, there was nobody leaving. I mean, you weren't going to go play big 12 football out of Nebraska or, you know, Kansas or Iowa or Missouri at the time for that matter and not go play for the Huskers. You know, the guys farther South could end up at Texas or Oklahoma or something at the time, but it was, uh, I just, I didn't know a thing about Notre Dame. Did you have an upperclassman player that uh, you really leaned on and really helped you a lot? Yeah, I remember uh, Eric Olson was really the guy. Uh, he came out of New York, and he was was he he was two classes older than I was, um, and he was kind of the guy in his recruiting class that was he wasn't the big name recruit, he wasn't the big blue chip five star guy, and I think he was coming in with you know Sam Young and. Uh, some of the guys that, that really were that way. But when you got in there into the locker room and especially into the O-line room, he was kind of the guy that was clearly the leader. Uh, he was the guy that people gravitated towards, big personality, good football player, uh, could play multiple positions. And uh, he was my host on my visits. And um, so when I got in there, he was the guy that, you know, the young guys really gravitated towards. And he was a good leader and uh, spent a lot of time with us and, and trying to get guys ready. And then when, you know, he kind of realized I was going to be out there playing with him and, and mm-hmm. he was going to need me to be ready. And he really poured into me. And uh, I was always thankful for that. So, um, yeah, guys like Sam and, and uh, Dan Wanger at the time and, and Eric were really the guys that were the leaders in the room. So in practice, who was the uh, your toughest opponent on Notre Dame practices across the line from you? Gosh, you know, when, when I so when I was a freshman, uh, it was Ethan Johnson. So Ethan Johnson came in big time recruit off the West Coast. Um, and I, it was almost one of those moments, like being a recruit and standing on the sideline of a, of a Nebraska USC game, you know, in 2007 and seeing, mm-hmm. you know, Taylor Mays and Clay Matthews and those types of guys, you're like, I'll never, I can't play college football. Look at these guys. And then you get out there and, and, sure. uh, you know, there were, there were some really good players out there. Uh, and then, you know, the, it was the next year and actually I remember like it was yesterday sitting around. Uh, you know, the, the two offense, two defenses out there in training camp and Manti Teo was a freshman now as I was a sophomore. And, you know, me and Eric are kind of standing back with the one group and Manti was still running with the twos, you know, brand new freshman in training camp. And uh, and I remember Eric looking at me and going, man, I, I hate it when freshmen are good, but gosh, <laughs> that, kid can, that kid can play. And uh, he was built different. And you could kind of tell that he, he just could cover more ground and Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of maneuver his body in a way and stay heavy and stay physical, even when he looked like he was going to be in an awkward position. And, um, you know, it's probably not a coincidence. He's, you know, one of the best defensive college football players that's, that's ever put a helmet on. And he was a guy that we got to strap up with every day in practice. But, uh, yeah, I think looking back during, during that time period, it would be hard to say it wasn't Manti. Tim and Vince on the uh, Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. Trevor Robinson's nice enough to uh, join us here. So now we were talking about playing against your own teammates. So do you have a particular team or opponent during your years that were the, was the toughest one to block? 
Who, you know, through through college. Uh, so at my sophomore year, we got down to play Purdue, and uh, at the time, Mike Neal was the guy at Purdue, right? He was the guy that was the name that everybody knew. Uh, but there was a younger guy, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, who turned out to be a heck of a player and mm-hmm. uh, still, right, and, and stacking up a bunch of Pro Bowls. Uh, so I, I think back to the college days, he was probably the guy that um, th- that kind of surprised me a little bit because he was not really a big stature name guy going in at the time. Um, I gave him my first ever sack to him on 4th and 10 down in <laughs> West Lafayette. So I remember that one, but then playing on Sunday. <laughs> you always was, remember those kind, right? I remember, I remember that first one. It was, you know, Dane, Chris was in there, and uh, gosh, it was, yeah, fourth and ten, and he beat me with an inside spin, and, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, it's like, okay, I had two sacks that year. One was Everson Griffin, and one was Ryan Kerrigan, and then you kind of stack those guys up, what they're doing now. You're like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> that, that makes sense, at least. Uh, but, man, playing on Sundays, it was uh, – you name it every, every week where there's a guy, um, you know, playing against Geno Atkins in training camp in Cincinnati when he was in the three technique over there was uh, about as challenging of a guy to block as there was. And then playing in the AFC North there, um, this was the Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Haloti Nato Ravens era. And this mm-hmm. was, uh, this was still the James Harrison, uh, Casey Hampton, Troy Paul and Molly Steelers era. Right. So you got kind of exposed to, you know, those Hall of Fame guys that you watched on TV growing up. So to transition into into Notre Dame and kind of be exposed to that next level, but then going and playing in the AFC North in 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, at that point, there really wasn't another tier of guys that you were going to wait to see. At that point, you'd, you'd seen the best of the best. That's Trevor Robinson speaking with us, former Notre Dame and NFL offensive lineman. I'm going to throw you a curve there, Vince. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to listen to the two of you talk about this year's defensive line together. <laughs> okay. Well, so I, I would say during the preseason, we talked about this defensive line a, a ton and about them probably being the deepest, you know, group on the team and, you know, so on and so forth. What have you seen from the defensive line for Notre Dame thus far that would maybe even back up that, that, uh, that assessment? Yeah, I think what I always am kind of struck by is just the amount of different guys that are around the ball, right? And and so talking about being deep, and I you know I still see the game from the offensive line's perspective. Uh, and so you know one of the things that's really changed, that's challenging about playing offensive line is uh, if if the offense has 75, 80, 85 snaps, you're getting 75, 80, 85 snaps. Um, you know, there's it's right. There's, you're not tapping out and running in a fresh body on third down or. Uh, you know, when you get down in the red area or short yardage or something, that's you're the guy, right? So when you have depth at the defensive line uh, and you can keep rolling those guys through and get fresh bodies against guys, uh, you know, you'll see it late in the first half. You'll see it in situational football when you're down on the goal line, late in the drive or, uh, you know, so when you have that depth on the D line, gosh, it just, it's a challenge for the offensive lineman to go 75, 80, 90, sometimes plays in college football. Uh, when you're getting, you know, those late game reps against a guy who's maybe on rep 50 or 55, it, it adds up and it makes a difference. Yeah. And so uh, I think we've seen that. Um, and then obviously the, at any level, high school, college, NFL, it never changes. Being able to rush the passer with, with four or five guys consistently, um, you can build you – can, you can make a lot of average defenses look really good behind it um, if you can be productive with those four guys. So – um, yeah, it's been fun to watch. Um, 
Man, it's yeah. I, I I spend all my time watching the offensive line play, so I don't watch a whole a whole lot in depth on the defense. I hate that I still watch the guys line up and I do the mic in my head and try to figure out where they're running the ball. I you know, uh, thank God for the replays. Right, it's the only way I know what actually happened on the play, but I can tell you what the pr- the protection was every time. So. Well, let me let me lob one up here for you. Give me your thoughts on the offensive line and how they've been playing this year. I mean, they they were they were more maligned, obviously, in the first half, but yep. starting to make some strides here in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it's what you want to see with a, with a younger group of guys, right? You're you're the arrows pointing up, right? Uh, I think when you have a, a multiple quarterback system, it is it does present a little bit of a challenge. Um, you know, sometimes it's something as simple as the cadence. Guys got a little different rhythm to what they're doing. Maybe there's uh, – you guys have a tendency to move in the pocket a different way. Maybe uh, the depth that gets set up at is a little bit differently. And, uh, it, it does put a little bit of stress on it, but you can you can see as they're getting better week to week. And then I, I know especially over the last month here, three or four games, when, when you're two-dimensional, right, when you're balanced and you can run the ball and you're getting, you know, whatever that number is, 150-plus a game over the last four games on the ground, you've taken all the wind out of the pass rush, right? When you're one-dimensional, when you're getting behind the sticks, um, great offensive lines can struggle with pass protection. So, uh, you know, as they continue to run the ball effectively, especially on early downs, stay in front of the sticks, uh, keep the playbook open a little bit, that's when they're going to start to, to – get confidence. Uh, you stay out of those obvious pressure downs, right. That, you know, makes the offensive, you see the guys kind of looking around a little bit, a little extra chatter before the play, some extra pointing and trying to sort things out. And so when you're running the ball effectively, um, yeah, you're just, you're just doing yourself the biggest favor you can as an offensive line. Hey, Trevor, real, real, real quick. I'm always interested. A lot of Notre Dame coaches and former players aren't from South Bend area but they end up in after football stay here. So what was the, what was that key for you to stay here in South Bend or Granger? Yeah. Uh, so it, it was the, literally the one place on earth I said I would never be after, after graduation. <laughs> right. And not, you know, for any particular reason. Uh, so I, I met my wife, she was at St. Mary's when I was in Notre Dame and she had grown up here locally. And so, uh, you know, long story short, we were bouncing around to Cincinnati and San Diego and, you know, Atlanta briefly, and then we kind of settled down in Chicago. And when we had our twins, uh, we realized quickly we needed to get closer to family. Um, at the time, my family was on a farm in South Central Kansas. Uh, that wasn't where we were going. Uh, her family was still here. Um, so that's kind of the, the genesis of how we ended up back here. But um, it's not it, it's not super different from where I grew up. You know, the neighborhoods where now or you know, I could walk out and look around on the corner and be just like where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, great place to raise a family, good schools, uh, you know, low cost to live in. There's, there's a lot to like about it. Well, as a, as a father of twins as well, I, I, I salute you because, uh, it is a long and arduous journey, my friend, yep. no yep. doubt about that. And we're, we're, and we're in it right now. And it takes a village. I can promise you that. So yep. uh, I, I'm with you on that one. Hey, I, I got to ask just from a selfish standpoint, our, uh, on my part, uh, are you, or have you, have you ever thought about coaching, like, you know, high school ball or anything like that? I know your kids are pretty young at the moment, but. Yeah, I, uh, it's something that I always kind of pictured. Um, you know, I, I was not an overly athletic guy. Um, I was never going to be confused for a strong guy, uh, in the weight room or anything like that. So I, you know, I thought what, if I had any type of competitive advantage is I, I studied my butt off and. Uh, you know, line plays a series of two and three step races a lot of times. And if you can get a, 
a one-step head start in a three-step race, uh, you, all of a sudden you don't look so unathletic. So, um, you know, it's, it's something I think I would enjoy. I think the challenge with a young family is just the instability that typically comes with that. Uh, you know, it's the, the exception that guys are kind of in one spot for a long time. And so you really just got to decide, uh, you know, are you going to get on that roller coaster that can take you all over the country on short notice and, and in and out of school systems and things like that? Um, and we just kind of decided early, it probably wasn't going to be the best fit. Um, is there a time in the future where I would love to get back around the game of football a little more? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that itch ever really goes away, but I hear um, you. I, I don't know that I would enjoy coaching anything outside the offensive line room. I just, I kind of miss that culture of those guys. That's, that's fair. That, that is, well, I've got a lot of high school connections, so maybe, maybe I'll reach out to you at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Trevor Robinson, we appreciate you taking the time to visit with uh, Vince and I here on game day, and we'll catch up another time. You take care of your, yourself and your family. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Right, thanks a lot. Thanks, we'll be back after a short break with the Burline, John Autry, Joe Johnson, here on Sports the AM WSBT. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Grell and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And your Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, your heating and clean air specialist. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. By Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend, Matt Carroll in Mishawaka, Ryan Hale in South Bend, or Jerry Hunt in South Bend. By Wings Etc. Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today. Order online at go.wingsetc.com. By Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center OSMC, providing orthopedic care to Michiana for, since 1973. Salsa's Mexican Grill. Share good times and great food this football season at Salsa's Mexican Grill. By Imperial Furniture and Dwajek, where football or where furniture shopping is fun. By Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Sherwood Tire, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. By Lozier, launch your career at Lozier, apply today, life at Lozier.com. By Lechleitner Door, Flags International on McKinley Avenue in Osceola. Celebrate with team flags, customized flags, banners, and more. Martin Supermarkets, Pet Refuge, In-Rug Company Studio and Gift Shop, Tim Grau State Farm Insurance, Zolman's Best Tire and Auto Care, serving you and your family for three generations. And finally, your local auto value auto parts store where service is the difference. We get it. Tim? Hey, thank you. And please, everyone, populate um, all of our, our nice sponsors. We can tell we got a lot of them. And we need them to bring people in from all parts of the country. We had Robbie Tomon earlier from uh, over 4,500 miles away. We talked in, checked in with Dr. Brian Radigan in Charlottesville, Virginia. And now we're going to, for one of the guests, a boat off of the California <laughs> coast. And that would be Steve Burline. Steve, thanks where you're at. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm roughing it out here uh, off the California coast, uh, right between Laguna Beach and Dana Point, uh, which is Orange County. Uh, so we're north of San Diego and south of L.A. And uh, it's about 85 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. And we got special permitting on this boat. It's actually a, a charitable uh, event uh, for disabled kids. Uh, letting them go deep sea fishing out here. And uh, we're the only boat uh, in in Orange County or even Southern California that's actually out on the water fishing today. So 
uh, we expect to pull a lot of fish in. Watch, watch out for all the supply chain freighters out there all over the place. <laughs> hey, we've also got with us uh, Joe Don, uh, Johnson, a strong safety and uh, captain back in 84, 85. And then also defensive lineman John Autry. So, John and Joe, um, Steve was kind of, you know, funning around there, but, you know, that I didn't tell him that you guys were going to be on there. What do you guys got on him that he doesn't want to want us to know about? This is John Archie. I plead the fifth. <laughs> so, uh, well, I can tell you this. This is Steve talking here. Uh, they they only knew me when I was a freshman, so <laughs> that was before I, that was before I had figured things out. So they got no dirt on me. <laughs> so I was going to ask everybody. We'll start with John. Uh, so you guys all played together for um, one year, or can you somebody take me yeah, on, yeah. on the timeline, please? Yeah, Joe. Joe. Uh, 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 Steve came in my senior year. Joe's junior year. So. Uh, we really needed Steve's services right away uh, our freshman year, and he came in and got the job done for us. We went to the Liberty Bowl and won it. Joe? Well, you're, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, Steve, Steve was a uh, – I was a junior when Steve came in. Steve, you came in with – you come in with um, Pinkett, right? No, no, Pinkett no. was a year ahead of me. Okay, so yeah, so, I, yeah, so I was a junior. When Steve came in, yeah, yeah Steve, well, how much money? How much money do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, it, 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 uh, I never. Number one, I retired 18 years ago from the NFL, <laughs> and uh, and it was a little different money back then. And I was never, I was a starter off and on, but I never got that big money. So. Uh, to put it to put it bluntly, I'm still working, Joe. Just to just to make that clear. <laughs> hey, I was going to go back and talk about some uh, games in the '80s, but let's start let's start with a, a current topic since you brought up money and everything. And we'll start with you first, uh, Steve. NIL opinion. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I think it was inevitable. Um, you know, I, I'm really torn between it uh, between you know either in favor of or against it. Um, you know, I really do believe that there should be uh, some sort of uh, uh, pay scale, uh, but I think more in the form of stipend for all scholarship athletes. Um, and I know that'd be pretty complicated to try to implement, but there's a lot of people with a lot of time out there that uh, uh, could probably create a, a system that was very equitable and fair. Um, I, you know, the, the way that the system is now, uh, there's going to be uh, the chosen few, just the chosen few, making uh, an absolute killing. And um, I, I really just think that it's, it's not overly equitable the way that it's set up, but I do believe it was inevitable that uh, there was going to have to be some sort of uh, compensation program put together for these uh, these college players to, to capitalize. So. Um, I'm, I'm in favor of uh, in, in some way, shape, or form, but I think it's still a work in progress, in my opinion. That's Steve Berline, Joe Johnson. How about your thoughts on that? No, I, I would, uh, in principle, agree with what Steve said. Uh, I spent most of my career 
in financial services. So I look, I'm definitely a proponent of capitalism, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, these young athletes are bringing tremendous value to the schools, but on the financial side, it's just, it's just crazy money going on right now. I think that, you know, I think a stipend uh, arrangement would be, uh, would be something that would create some, you know, uh, make things equitable. But being the financial services guy, I would say that if you can make money off of your image, um, there should be a certain amount of money that you get real time. But I, I would, I, I'm a proponent of having a trust in the, the additional funds going to the trust until you graduate from school. And then, you know, you, you are, that distribution takes place at graduation. John Autry, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with both Steve and Joe on this. Um, the first time I heard of something like this was actually from my father when I was going through the recruiting process and spent a couple years at Notre Dame. And, and you know, Joe was talking about financial services. And, uh, you know, I still had to try to make sure I had money in my pocket when I was, you know, in school and walked around campus and off-season and that kind of thing. And my dad said, well, you know, uh, I think what they should do is they should should give you guys $200, uh, $200 every month for four years, and and you, you keep 100 and then we'll put, like Joe said, $100 in the trust. And when you graduate, you get to pick up that $4,800 or $5,600. Because you have some teams like I did, you know, I was still trying to figure out if I was going to play next level, and I still needed cash. So I think, you know, the players having some financial services, but I do agree with Steve and Joe on the fact that it does need to be an equitable uh, scenario. Good thoughts by all three of you. We're on the leading air game day show, and that's the We're talking with former teammates uh, Steve Berline, John Autry, and Joe Johnson. Let's go to the uh, 1984 season. And then do it. Boy, it sounds like you're having a real party there, Steve. That's not, that's not me. I don't think I made any noise, but could be. Oh, there's some music going now in the background. There you go. No problem. There was a, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a call it a controversy, but I saw something about a uniform change in 1984. You ditched, ditched the Madonna Blues for different jerseys. Anybody got any recollection of a story behind that? You know, I think that uh, I was a, that was the year that I was captain. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, I'd, I'd been asked the question as well as uh, Larry Williams and Mike Golick, who are the other two tri-captains. And none of us could recollect uh, anything around, you know, that, that decision. I don't think it was a decision that was – uh, pushed out to the team. Um, I think it was a decision that Coach Faust made. Why he made it, I'm not sure. And and after listening to him, I'm not sure if he knows why he made it, made the decision. But the decision was made. Yeah, actually, I was just reading that that when he was asked about that too, he doesn't remember. And John Heisler, the great John Heisler, he referred the questions to Coach Faust, and Coach Faust says, "I don't remember either." <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, there were a lot of decisions made back in that time that didn't make a whole lot of sense. We'll just leave it at that, right? I mean, there were a lot of things that were happening at that point. I mean, I remember, remember the SC game that year, guys. We were playing it back in South Bend. Oh, wait a minute. That was uh, 
So, so that sophomore year, that would have been the year we were out in California. Um, but I'm thinking of, were you guys there for the the game where we came out in the second? It might have been my freshman year, so it might have been 83. But we uh, we went in the locker room at halftime, and we had the green jerseys in there. And yeah. Uh, yeah. we, we, oh, we yeah. came out in the second yeah. half with the green jerseys. And we were killing them as it was. We yeah. were leading at the half by a lot, and it was kind of – interpreted as rubbing it in their face when we came out in green jerseys in the second half. So uh, yeah. we knew nothing about it, of course. And when it happened, we were all kind of wondering what the deal was. But uh, we were scratching our heads about a lot of things back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, Autry, let's start with you. I'm looking at the 84 schedule and stuff. Um, we were talking about this quite extensively last week with guests. You guys played two service academies, Air Force and, and Navy. And I see the Navy game, you won by one, and the Air Force uh, game um, was on the losing side or whatever. Talking about service academy games, what's your first, first thoughts? Well, one thing, we we always knew if we, we, we had to play well if we wanted to win because we were going to be playing uh, Army cadets and uh, military cadets and and they they make very very few mistakes if any at all, and if if we if we didn't play to our best, you know anything could happen, and um, and I think uh, it was Air Force, yeah, it was Air Force that ran that triple option, and I was uh, playing DN and and you know I had two responsibilities actually actually the quarterback and the pitch man, so it was always tough, you know and. Uh, when you play play that that wishbone because you've been dealing with uh, pro type offenses and then all of a sudden you got to switch from one week to the next to a option type offense so it was kind of you know break your continuity so it wasn't easy as people thought it should be uh, for for those two reasons. Uh, Joe Johnson Service Academy playing them. Um, he brought up a good point that Air Force that that triple option, which we just saw last week with Navy. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I would agree with John. I think those were some of the toughest games to play for two reasons. One, we we only face that type of offense, you know, one maybe two times a year. So to to have to kind of reset, you know, how we played. Um, was was just very difficult, and it was so unconventional. You never knew who had the ball, and for the last minute, <laughs> which would drive you absolutely crazy. So you're just hitting people, and you 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 didn't know why. You just were going to hit them because they might have the ball. Um, but I think that you know I would give it to the academies because they were some of the toughest games that we played, and these guys were out there, and they were given 120 percent every play. And I would just, I can still see us, you know, our, our 270 pound linemen getting knocked down by 220 pound linemen. And then the 220 pound linemen from the academies would offer their hand out, you know, reach put their hand out to help the guy up. And it would drive us yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But it was, they were great. I and mean, we played against uh, Napoleon McCollum and, you know, he was, he was an awesome running back, but but I would just give it to the academies. They they came to play each and every game, and they were some of the hardest you know games for you know while I played some of the hardest games that that we ever played. Yeah, 
Hey, Steve Berline, I'm going to change up on you. Um, one of the games was down in uh, Baton Rouge at Tiger Stadium. I forget what that was called back in those days, but it was a tough place to play. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, it was tough. We, we were called Tiger Bait uh, when we came into those places. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, LSU was one of the most difficult places to play, without a doubt. Um, and I, I had a chance to play there two times. And uh, uh, both times it did not go the way we wanted it to. But, um, you know, there were pretty good football teams back then, and they, they still are today. And um, But that, that was definitely one of the more difficult places to play of, of all the places that I, I played while I was at Notre Dame. So um, I'm going to stay with you, Steve, or whatever. Let's go to this year's uh, Fighting Irish. So what do you see? Um, what's the good points and what's the bad points on the quarterback situation at Notre Dame for you? Well, you know, I always am from the philosophy that um, if you have two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks, you don't have one. And uh, I, I think that's the, the dilemma that we're fighting right now. Uh, I, I, you know, we're, we're a top 10 team uh, for all, um, I think, uh, intents and purposes. But I, I really don't think that, that we're, you know, realistically um, – going to be able to compete uh, at a higher level than that uh, with the situation the way it is uh, at quarterback. And, you know, right now I think it's pretty predictable what they're doing and maybe they're doing it on purpose. I don't know. But when, when Buckner comes in, uh, it's pretty obvious that, that he's a running threat. Uh, they're going to run that more that read option type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And when Cohn is in there, it's going to be a more conventional offense, more of a pocket style passing game. And, I think it's from a defensive perspective, it's pretty easy to kind of hone in on that. And I think that kind of limits us a little bit right now. But, um, you know, we're finding ways to win games like Brian Kelly always does. And, um, you know, if we can finish this thing out uh, without any, any hiccups along the way, uh, we'll be right in the middle of it like usual. But uh, realistically speaking, I just don't think we're quite uh, at that level to be with the elite uh, teams in the country. So, Steve, would, have you ever, would, in your playing days, there been uh, behind an offensive line that has had as many key injuries as this team seems to have had? Well, yeah, they, 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 the old line has been uh, uncharacteristically the the uh, kind of the obvious issue this year for the team. Uh, normally, you know, we have incredible depth at the old line. If one guy goes down, uh, we've got guys coming in that we really don't even miss a beat, and so. This year has been kind of unique from that perspective and playing some young guys as well. Um, so it, that, that presents a lot of problems, too, in, in, uh, you know, in, in defense of, of what's going on offensively. Uh, when you don't have a lot of continuity and chemistry with those guys up front, it makes everything difficult. So you got to give the, uh, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt as far as that goes and, and take that into consideration for sure. Hey, Joe Johnson, when you're watching the game, are you, uh, the Irish, are you watching and concentrating on the defensive backs or the defense in general? Or, or are you able, at, since being away from the game maybe for 35, 40 years, you can just enjoy it and watch it yourself? And, uh, no, I think you, yeah, I can enjoy and watch it, you know, I guess uh, with less uh, stress, if you will, nowadays. But I think that, you know, you're always going to, you have the propensity to watch your position to just see, you know, see how they're doing. I mean, I think our defensive backs have played fairly well this year. I think our defense has played fairly well. Um, but going to what Steve said about the offense, I think that, you know, we have to keep our opponents off balance. 
and I think we were pretty predictable. But I think with, you know, Kyron coming in the last few weeks and doing what he's done, I think he's given us that ability to to shift things up and not focus so much on the quarterback. Now, you know, it's more balanced attack. But I would just say that you have to have the consistency of the quarterback. And that goes back to even our days when Steve was there. You know, you've got to stay true to a quarterback so that that quarterback can gain their confidence. They can see the field. They know they're not going to get pulled if they make a mistake or, you know, if the offense stalls. And and I think that that's what I'm looking at now is just, you know, can we stay true to to a, a lineup, if you will, um, that is going to create some level of, of consistency? And and we haven't done that up to this. Well, we we started doing that, you know, from the you know since the USC game, and we just need to keep that up. But I think Kyrie Williams is a a big reason why uh, Kyron Williams is a big reason why we can do that now. John Autry, we've got a a lot of interchangeable pieces on the defensive line. So what what do you see when you're watching Notre Dame play? Well, I see great athleticism up front. Um, Great movement, um, I, and 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 also uh, fire. You know they they're a very active group. Um, so I, I like what I see up front uh, with with those guys. Uh, unfortunately, our nose tackle we lost him for a couple of games, uh, but we have some people come in and fill in and and, and do do a do a good job uh, up there. Um, but I'm seeing more pressure on the quarterback with our outside guys on the line. Um, which is good, and um, and and I'm gonna go back to to um, what Joe and and Steve said. You know, the quarterback's got to be, you know, con- the continuity's got to be there for the quarterback uh, front, and uh, not just with their up their linemen, but with especially with their receivers, because it's obviously Kelly wants to be able to throw the football, you know, um, and. Um, so when you, when you change your quarterbacks in and out, you know, it kind of makes it real tough on the quarterbacks and the receivers. Um, you know, so I think like Steve was saying and Joe was saying, you know, uh, once we need to identify the direction, I really like the kid from California, the freshman kid, because he does help us keep teams uh, on, on, uh, on their toes. Um, so uh, that's kind of what I think about offense. But defensively, like Joe was saying, We've done some good things, and I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna graduate even further next year because we've got that new D coordinator from Cincinnati, by the way. Um, and um, I, I kind of I like what he's doing. I think they got to get used to him as well. John Autry, Joe Johnson, Steve Berline. We know chaos has to happen uh, for the college playoffs. Vince and I were talking off air or whatever. Well, he just somebody I think it was you was it you Vince just said Oklahoma went down. Yeah. They lost. Yep, they lost. Yeah, they lost. Oklahoma just lost. Yeah, yeah they, they yeah. lost bad to Bay, to Baylor actually. And, oh uh, wow! Michigan snuck one out uh, against did? Penn State. They won by four. Uh, oh okay, okay. Yeah. All right, we're all gonna wow. Big Ten to eat each other up in the next two or three weeks. <laughs> hey, we thank all of you guys out there, Steve. That really the reception worked great. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Um, you know, it was. It was a kind of question mark from my end whether it would work or not. But I, I will say this, you know, uh, these guys uh, that you've got on there, great memories from the years we had together. But we all, I think, feel like we we could have accomplished a lot more if given, uh, you know, the right set of circumstances. And I look back at uh, 
some of those teams. And uh, you guys remember this. We ran – you were talking about the uh, the Navy game in 84. I think that was when we won by one. Uh, but we ran back in those days. It was the, the 4P offense, I used to call it. Pink it, pink it, pass, punt. That's what we used to run. And, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of creativity in it. And yeah. we had players. I mean, heck, we had people. We had people like – you know, Tim Brown and Mark Bavaro and a lot of other guys that, that could do things with the ball offensively to go along with Alan Pinkett and guys like Greg Bell. And we had a great offensive line. Uh, so it was kind of frustrating in those days. But uh, we had great leadership. We had great leadership from our seniors, uh, the upperclassmen. And, um, you know, we were a big part of uh, getting the program heading in the right direction under Lou Holt. So we all took a lot of pride in that. Well, yeah, you know, you know, what's interesting about that, Steve, to your point is Lou turned, turned that program around in, in two years, really. And he turned it around with the same talent that we had. He, 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 you know, he added backfield some of the talent, but talent wise, I think my freshman year coming in, in 81, we had back in the day, the parade all American team was the team to be on. And there were 17 of us on the parade all American team that freshman year and we were coming into a situation where um we had played for the national championship the previous year augie you know that in the sugar bowl yeah. against uh, herschel walker in georgia sure. so we oh, had yeah. the talent we had the talent yep. and that was probably the most frustrating thing about my experience at notre dame it wasn't about talent we just were not playing as a team uh, for a number of reasons and uh you know have great memories uh, I think we could have won a couple of national championships back then, but unfortunately uh, we didn't, but we had the talent to, to, to win those games. Point well, well taken, Joe. We got to cut it off there. We're coming up on a hard break here, but we appreciate Steve Berline, Joe Johnson, and John Autry joining us. And I know we saw each other about four or five years ago. Maybe we'll catch up with you guys again. Okay. Thank you. All right. Look, look forward okay, to it. Guys. Take care, guys. Thank you. Go Take hard. care, guys. Okay. Go Irish. Bye-bye. Be safe. Be safe. Bye-bye. We'll be right back on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And we are back. Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. Now it's time for our weekly feature, the Key Bank Keys to the Game. Sponsored by Key Bank, Key Bank Cashback Credit Card. Up to 2% back for those of you who like cash. And getting it back through an up to 2% bank back purchases with the Key Cashback Credit Card. Key Bank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com slash cashback. Key Bank is a member FDIC. And our own resident football expert, Vince will guide us through his five keys to the game. Well, number one, uh, look, this is going to be this is going to be decided on the side of the ball when Notre Dame's on defense and Virginia's on offense. We've talked about how prolific this offense is, right? So a lot of my keys are going to be on the defensive side of the ball for Notre Dame. Uh, the first one is, look, you've got to turn Virginia over. They are prone to the turnover as many yards as they are able to accumulate. Like we said, Brennan Armstrong is responsible for just a shade under 425 yards a game. I mean, that is that's wow. nuts. It's it's nuts. It but he also has eight interceptions, and they've turned the ball over 13 times this season, which ranks them in the 80s. I want to say 87th off the top of my head. That's not great. So you can turn them over. 
and the ball is going to be in the air an awful lot. So Notre Dame needs to be ball hawks. They need to turn Virginia over, whether that's a fumble, whether that's an interception, whether it's a turnover on downs, whatever the case may be, this defense needs to turn Virginia over, give Notre Dame, uh, you know, the ball in good field position and let them capitalize on it. So number one key, need to turn Virginia over. How about another one? Another one, you, you've got to contain and you've got to hit Brennan Armstrong. We talked about it with Doc Radigan. You know, this is a rib injury, and you can feel those ribs every time you take a deep breath, let alone get hit in a football game. And so, you know, depending on what Virginia wants to do with Brennan Armstrong, they, they're probably going to try to keep him in the pocket. I can't imagine they're going to want to run him um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, make him susceptible to hits. But if you get an opportunity to hit him, you got to hit him. You got to keep him in the pocket and you got to hit him. Uh, if he gets loose and he starts to scramble, that's when he could start picking up first downs and things like that. So you've got to contain and you've got to hit Brennan Armstrong if he's in the game. Number three, don't let him run the football. Look, they don't even really want to run the football. They're not very good at it. They average about 100 yards a game, if that. Um, and But the way Notre Dame has played defense at points during the season where they're just focused on the pass game, teams have gouged them with the run right. and they've gone up and down the field on Notre Dame with the run game. So yes, the pass is the most important thing to stop, but you can't let them run at will either. They're not a good running team. They don't profess to be a good running team. They don't even try to run the ball. Don't just give them opportunities where you're dropping eight and only rushing three and they're, you're just letting them run the ball. So you have to, you have to put the kibosh on the run game for sure. Number four. Look, offensively, you need you just need to execute, right? One of my matchups uh, in this game was the Notre Dame offense versus themselves because, look, this Virginia defense is not very good. Um, they are arguably the worst defense that Notre Dame is going to face all season, definitely the worst in the second half, and that's saying a lot because there's some bad defenses in the second half of the season. You know, BYU put 66 on Virginia, okay? This is a bad defense. So Notre Dame needs to go out. And whatever the game plan is, they need to execute it, period, plain and simple. And to build off of that, not only do you need to execute, but you need to score. You need to score touchdowns when instead of field goals, you need to put it in the end zone. You need to spread the ball around and get a lot of guys involved, but you need to score because the defense is going to take some chances, and sometimes those chances aren't going to work. And Virginia's going to score. So Notre Dame needs to score more. And against this Virginia defense, that should not be that big of a problem. So if the defense can hold Virginia under 30 and Notre Dame can score obviously more than that, then they're going to be in good shape. I think they're going to get in the 40s today. All right. Go ahead and give us the key bank score then. Well, my score prediction, it just kind of how I hinted at, Notre Dame 45 and Virginia 28. I think they're going to score. I think Virginia's going to score, but I think Notre Dame scores more. I think they, you know, again, if you like points, I think this is going to be the game for you. Thank you, Vince. As a key bank, keys to the game brought to you by Key Bank. Key Bank smart checking. Work harder to make checking smarter. No maintenance fees, no minimum balances, 40,000 ATMs. Pretty smart. Open a key smart checking account today. Key Bank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com. Please join us next week. We will be on here at 9 a.m. to get you ready for the final home game of the season. Your Irish will fit the Yellow Jacket of Georgia Tech. For Vince D'Addario, this is Tim Growl. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT South Bend.
Go have a great day. Go Irish. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 